Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Nunes is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hey, everyone. Happy work from home week. <laughs> happy. We, 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 don't count, we don't count time and days anymore. Yeah, it's Monday, I think. That's usually when we record. But if you told me it was, like, Thursday, you could probably convince me without much of, like, a, a battle. It's uh, quarantine time, um, X95, uh, 750. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, uh, we, we, 700 miles away from home, so, like, legitimately um, in the quarantine life, right? Yeah, Dan's in South Carolina. Um, for longer I'm than home. I anticipated. For much longer than he anticipated. We, uh, we're, we're, we decided to embrace um, the... Uh, College Gambino album release style of uh of just releasing one out, one track that's like an hour long and just differentiating everything by like timestamps. So we don't know how long this album's going to go. I'm I actually keep time stamping that yet. So yeah, this 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 is going to be some. If you like the when the podcast does very little in terms of like talking about what we anticipate to talk things. about. Yeah, since we didn't record last week, or I didn't record last week. Um, yeah, I mean, our, our world has been turned upside down. Uh, we were hoping to be talking uh, very unlikely in some like tournament run. Um, and because the Syracuse team was the team it was, we probably would be talking a uh, very unexpected Sweet 16 run at this point. Um, alas, here we are. The UNC game is awesome. It feels like about three months ago. But I really enjoyed that. I put that out there. I, I do feel like we're dealing in like, like every day is a lifetime at this point. It's it's this has legitimately been pretty pretty easily like the longest like two weeks of my life. <laughs> it's because everything's so thrown <laughs> my entire my entire uh, just like you know day in and day out routine uh, is completely out the window. So fun times. I do get to have more like southern food. I guess nice. that's that's the the, the 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 upshot. I had some Westbrook, which we'll talk about later. Also, not a bad thing, but I don't know that I'd make the trade. Fair. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get the beer later. Um, I'm excited to hear what you've been drinking. I've been drinking the same things because I, uh, I haven't been going out anywhere <laughs> to get it. <laughs> but uh, why don't we start with? I know I've been keeping track of this on a uh, on a weekly basis now, of where you can catch um, past Syracuse games on TV. Obviously, you can watch games on YouTube whenever you want, things like that. Um, but I was keeping track of, you know, where you can watch past Syracuse games on TV for those who would rather watch SU on a larger screen. Um, ends up that uh, the ACC wanted to torture us this week. Um, among the selections that received at least one, if not two, uh, plays on ACC Network or ESPNU, um, the football game against uh, NC State, which, oh God, why? Um, the Notre Dame loss um, in, in basketball from this past year, um, the Pitt loss in football, the Florida State loss in football, the Boston College loss in football, uh, the Louisville loss in football, and then the Duke win in football. Yeah, just, uh, I don't know how you, like, is that, was this like hazing? <laughs> it, it feels like, a little like hazing. I mean, I guess it beats like the Big Ten where you don't get paid in full for like what feels like 48 years, but this is also mean. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I mean, I know they're, they're, like, they're going in month order, but then also, like, definitely got out of order at some point. 
Yeah, I, I, all I, kinds I, of games in here. It's probably not super easy to like actually program something with like this with, with, with minimal notice. Yeah, no, like I'm actually kind of impressed by some of the stuff ESPN has done. It's like, well, like running like old WrestleMania last night was like kind of a genius move. Like just putting something that people did not expect and like just finding something unique is like, you know, obviously I think like they've done a nice job with the sports centers and then people have handled it well, but like it, it's pretty wild. Like what a crazy loop everyone. I mean, it's, it's, it feels dumb to reduce it to sports, but like how everyone in the industry has been just completely knocked off kilter. And I think like for the most part, it's, it's responded pretty well without getting too um, like stupid about it because it could very easily devolve into that. And maybe it will if we give it enough time. But like most people seem to, in the sports segment of things, seem to understand the severity. Yeah, I, I think everyone gets that. I think everyone in sports also understands that like how well sports do, sports media does here kind of dictates the importance of sports going forward potentially and also the importance of sports media going forward. So like effing this up is not really an option. That's very true. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is, that's that's my kind of you know negative side of the coin thinking is, is, is that's that was how I would view it. I guess is that like it, it's kind of your duty to like keep your own industry alive. So uh, it, it is also it's interesting though, like because at the same time, like newspapers specifically have become so lean that like you have guys like you know Chris Carlson and Nate Make at the at, at the Circuits dot com like basically just shifting over and covering you know local the local aspects of the the virus spread like pretty effectively. So it's you know, it, obviously sports are what they are, but, like, at the same time, the, the, the people in sports media are, like, very good journalists, and they, I mean, we see so much crossover, you know, from people transitioning from there into politics and other stuff like that. It, it's, uh, obviously, there's probably some negatives to take away from that at the same time, but uh, I do appreciate that, like, at least from our, like, you know, little piece of the world, people seem to, like, really be flexing their uh, their muscle in terms of, like, showing off what they're able to do beyond just like writing about what Jim Beheim's doing tomorrow. Yeah. And I mean, I also appreciate like, you know, for, for as much as I think blogs are uniquely suited for time periods like this, like not everyone can write, you know, beer blog brackets and uh, you know, which, which ACC team is your least favorite X-Man character. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, it's just not an option for, for, for like newspaper reporters and things like that. So, so I, I, I commend them for still being able to pull, to pull off looking like real journalists, despite having like minimal to no access for now, what's going to be months on end. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be like the real trick here, obviously, like, I, you know, I, I was a Syracuse basketball last week, gives a pretty fair amount of access for what the, the stature of the program is. Syracuse football, um, Sneakily does not give very much access. We talk about it a lot. Like, we, like, you know, a lot, you know, super personable. At the same time, he is about as restrictive as anyone we've had around. I mean, Marone was too, Schaefer was too, for different reasons. But he, he gives off, like, a sense of uh, affability while also being very restrictive. And this certainly won't help, although obviously it's not his fault or it's not anything we could have anticipated. So um, it'll be interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if we even have college football starting up in September as, as scheduled. Lord knows, I hope it does, because if, if we're still dealing with major uh, ramifications in terms of, like, cancel, outright cancellations and postponements by then, oof, we're in for a long one. But um, it'll be fascinating just to see, like, how the challenger continues to shift, because it's hard to really get out for any of this stuff. Uh, I mean, recruiting, obviously, we, we you know, have a recruit to talk about for Syracuse, which is nice, but um, that whole landscape is getting shifted 
in huge ways because there's no visits. Like right now, it's a pretty busy period for recruiting generally, and it's kind of shut down for the most part now. Um, obviously, guys for, probably for the two drafts uh, can't do it in the same way they normally can. So um, I guess there's like part of it that's, that's like it's all so new that there's there's a lot to write about in in that newness and that uh, adversity. But um, it's just very bizarre. It's just very bizarre because every day you just find a new thing that's like, oh, that's completely thrown on its head, and we wouldn't have even thought about that because it's like the, you know, 800th most important thing going on right now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of something I alluded to earlier. This does like put sports into a perspective in a lot of ways. Um, it is going to be interesting, like how we get when we get back to quote unquote normalcy, whenever that is, um, where sports fits into that equation. Obviously, it's going to be a welcome respite, but at the same time. Um, I do wonder how many people like casually, I mean, you and I obviously don't casually watch sports um, and don't casually incorporate it into, you know, our daily lives. We, we, we very much have it as a, a big part of, of, of who we are and what we do for a living and for free time and things like that. But for people that like, you know, tolerated sports and, and like just did it to like watch to watch, you, you got to wonder like what happens there. And I'm, I'm given my other job kind of looking at TV data and things like that. I'm very curious to kind of track, um, track what happens there. Um, one pick up on that one uh, segue you set us up for, though. Uh, Syracuse got a 2021 football commit, uh, the first of the uh, 2021 cycle. Uh, Terry Lockett from Massachusetts becomes the first member of the Orange of this class, um, comes to the Springfield Central High School. Um, while the UMass and Buffalo offers don't look overly impressive, the Michigan offer is pretty impressive. Um, and I'm definitely happy to, to, to see that. Um, as we try to compete for better players here. Yeah, no, I mean, there's every so often you see a guy like this, and I every I keep on uh, finding uh, other Terry Lockett's when I look him up, uh, and Tyler Lockett. I think I typed in yesterday when I forgot what his first name was. But um, no, it's it's always a, a nice sign because that means like I assume he either camped there or um, got himself like in front of Harbaugh and his staff. Yeah, he he camped there in June, so um, clearly they saw something in person that they liked you know, enough to like jump out with an offer that early because they could be, you know, a school like Michigan, which is landing top 10 to 20 recruiting classes to very easily put him on a back, on the back burner or, you know, offer him down the road if they don't get other guys that are probably going to be more heavily uh, contested. Um, so I think it's a very good sign that he got a, a pretty, what seems like a pretty early offer from them uh, and a good sign for us that we've, you know, got in there and, and secured the early commitment. He's our first 2021 commit. Um, you know, probably has, you know, maybe a little undersized for the interior defensive line, but uh, obviously we're moving to a new system. So who knows, he might be able to play on the edge. He, we could try to bulk him up. Um, I think, you know, I'm not afraid of uh, of going after guys who uh, at 6'1", 255, like he's probably like a high motor guy if, if Michigan offered that early. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with it. It's a good way to, to set the tone here. Yeah, I mean, like you said, with the three three five, there's a lot of there's some different ways that he can be deployed, different ways that he can be used um, on the line. He can obviously put some weight on. We've seen plenty of players at SU been able to put on twenty, thirty pounds um, of good weight and, and, and turn into very productive players. I think that he could potentially just put on ten to fifteen of, of muscle and just be a really interesting tweener um, for SU. And then, not not that this is the end all be all, but to be honest, like I, I value interest from Michigan. Um, better than most. I think Don Brown's proven himself to be a really great Italian evaluator um, over the course of his you know, coaching career uh, in particular, both his time at Michigan and Boston College. Um, that's one of the few times you'll hear uh, compliments from Boston College coming from this guy. But 
realistically, like he has done a really nice job of not just identifying talent that produces at the college level, but also uh, puts that at the NFL level. Um, recruits when, when we go up against Michigan, I know, uh, I know Brown was sniffing around um, Afitu Milifanwu, um back when he committed a few years ago. Um, we ended up being able to, I don't think he got the offer. Um, I don't know if we would have held on it if he had, but, uh, but nonetheless, definitely the, the, you know, the type of coach uh, whose, whose interest I think counts a little bit more than most um, when, when we're looking at how good these prospects are coming in. Yeah, for sure. And he obviously has the experience in the Northeast uh, at U at uh, Boston college. Uh, he was at UConn, I believe for a while. So um Definitely, and, and Michigan's pretty active as far as, like, you know, obviously Massachusetts isn't this huge hotbed, but Michigan's about as active as anyone recruiting there. So, uh, no, I think it's, it's a pretty good sign. Um, we'll see how much we can do going forward. Because, again, this is, uh, you know, we're not hosting camps. Uh, a lot of stuff's being done virtually. Um, I assume most recruits wisely will be delaying their commitments. Like, you, the, the summer guys will probably wait until the fall and see if they can get on, camp, on campuses and do that whole thing. So, I wouldn't um, – I, I, you know, I mean, this is not like trying to just not, you know, be be overly cautious or whatever. Um, I wouldn't freak out about lack of commitments or lack of recruiting news, um, just as everything's so different than what our normal calendar and timeline. Obviously, it's shifted a lot with the early signing period and everything over the last couple of years, and there's always rule changes. But like this year is going to be a total who who the hell knows who's going to thrive in recruiting this year beyond like the normal people. So I, I just. If you're if you're listening and wondering why Syracuse only has like X number of you know commits in two weeks and a month or whatever, I, I just would struggle to like read too much into it this year. Yeah, I mean recruiting calendars and and and, and rules and everything have been changing now for for years, and I think you know this year we're already seeing adjustments based on um, the coronavirus fears and all that, and so you're definitely going to see adjusted quiet periods, and I think we start seeing maybe some flexibility in terms of video conferencing and things like that. Um, I know Steve talked about this last week on the blog um, about, you know, how this impacts recruiting in particular for Syracuse football. Um, you know, Dino is a charismatic guy. Um, he's someone who can really um, sell you on the idea of Syracuse and the idea of this program under, under his leadership um, in person. Obviously he's an impressive guy on video as well, but seeing him in person as, as someone who seen him speak in person um, at an SU alum event a couple of years ago, like the guy commands a room. And, and he's the type of coach who could definitely help us close deals on the recruiting trail. Um, losing out on that ability um, definitely going to hurt. But obviously, you know, every other everybody else is dealing with the same uh, same challenges. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it's like you know, it's in this one regard, it's an even playing field, and that's not usually the case in recruiting. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, the coaches have a decent plan as to how to best move forward. But. Um, it's good to see, like, pretty much the whole cultural world. That can very easily be a group of people that are just, like, throwing caution to the wind, saying, you know, screw it, we're going to go try to take advantage somehow of getting more access to recruits or whatever. And it seems like, as far as we know, everyone's kind of in the same page and not doing anything dumb. Again, this is like, as far as we know, um, which is good, because it's, it's a group that, you know, wouldn't surprise anybody if someone was, like, out there, you know, secretly visiting recruits and knocking on doors and whatever. So, Hopefully that is not the case and, and the coaches are taking the uh, necessary precautions as people who, you know, in a, in a normal world meet with hundreds, if not like thousands of people per week. Agreed, agreed. And fingers crossed. Um, there's nothing like that going on. Um, Dan, why don't we talk a little bit about beer before we get to the usual beer conversation. Um, this week is part of our coverage. Uh, we're going to be doing a beer bracket. 
um, starting with, you know, we did the playing games on Sunday. Um, we're recording on Monday. This isn't going to go up till Wednesday, though. So we're not going to talk about the state of the bracket as it is right now. Instead, we're going to talk about um, just kind of where the, the, the breweries that we would favor um, in the current bracket. So I guess, Dan, looking at the, the East region seems like the one that's generated the most interest um, among readers, among non-readers who wanted to chime in a bit. Um, who's your favorite kind of looking at, a, at, at this region? Got Hill Farm, that is the one. Treehouse is the two. Um, the Alchemist is the three. And, and other half is the four. Um, and it seems like those top four, at least, are doing pretty well uh, with a couple hours left in voting. But just, I guess, looking at it, like, like who would be your favorite, maybe two, coming out of this region? Um, this is a really tough one. Uh, Hill Farms and Treehouse are really tough to beat. If you like the like super juicy IPAs, Treehouse is like just a monster. Hill Farms said that everything they put out is amazing. Um, just overall, the bracket's really, really strong. Um, I think I've had almost everything here. I, I don't know if I've had Dancing Gnome or Mortalis, but I think everything else I've had a decent amount of. Um, honestly, like Maine at 11 is, uh, if you were looking for a, a sexy 11 over 6 upset pick, uh, I think Maine is a, a real, a, really strong one down there. New England from Connecticut is awesome. Um, I think if I was going to do like a 316 out of here, um, I think I would go, actually not doing like the seating. This is not too difficult to myself. Uh, Hill Farms and Treehouse are probably both uh, good picks to go through. Uh, it's hard not to pick Lawson's. Um, if only for Sip of Sunshine, it's just amazing. Um, I think I would go I think I would go Lawson's over New England uh, at a close one, and then I would pick Maine, just in a little little mix from the bottom of the bracket. But also, like, you know, if you could put Kane through, honestly, if you wanted it from the 15th seed. So I think uh, a lot of depth here as someone who has access to most of these beers pretty frequently. Yeah, as someone who does not have access to most of these beers frequently, but has had um, just about all these breweries at one place or another, um, I would say the top two are in a pretty good spot. you know, again, we're going to be talking about this after the first and second round are done uh, when people hear this. But um, I think Hill Farm said Entry House are good bets. Um, Trillium is kind of a, a, a sexy eight over one upset in round two uh, for those who wanted to go that route. Uh, I think Suarez family and the other half could be some really good upset picks too, um, to get to the Sweet 16. But I, I think I would, I would stay chalk in the East at least and go Hill Farmstead and Treehouse. Um, as the one two, yeah, it's hard to argue with those two. They're just they're they're so strong and just have like and they're they're two of the breweries where you go in there and you could try like anything and it's all amazing. Yeah, that's uh, it's it, it's not easy to do. Admittedly, like I've been to plenty of breweries that's not the case um, where you just and sometimes it's just you know selection you just end up picking the wrong thing. But yeah, I think those two are, are high up there in terms of you know like just just pick anything and it, it's bound to be good. Um, we got the Midwest. Um, another one that, that's got a fair amount of engagement. Actually, most of these, at least when we're recording this, most of these were pretty like neck and neck um, in the first round, at least. Um, top four seeds, Side Project from St. Louis, uh, Funk Factory from Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Fair State from Minneapolis, and uh, Three Floyds from, uh, from Munster, Indiana. And if I'm picking who gets through to a hypothetical Sweet 16 uh, right now, I would bet on I'm going to say the 13 seed founders could get through, not because I think they're better than everybody else here, but because I think that 
name recognition potentially puts them yeah they're everywhere name recognition puts them through i would pick side project obviously to go through but i think founders could very well find themselves there um on the other half of the bracket um i think bells at least when we're recording this bells is in the process of uh, upsetting toppling goliath um i would actually pick fair state to potentially get through um but I think we might end up with it with a weird uh, Sweet Sixteen here, with uh, with Bells and Founders getting through um, against, while like potentially better breweries. Um, they, I think their name recognition carries a lot of weight. Yeah, I think that's like the tough thing. Like, obviously, I think Bells and Founders are both like really solid breweries. Um, they're just everywhere. Like, you can find a Bells or a Founders pretty much like anywhere in the country, I would imagine. Whereas, like. Obviously, like I think New Polaris, you can barely find outside of Wisconsin, if at all. Um, and a lot of the other ones just don't have like the wide distribution or like the like super like the kind of mytho- mythological name recognition that some of like the other breweries out west and in the east do. Um, I've you know I've had most of these, but I've had maybe most of them like one time um, outside of like the ones that are all over. Um, I think I would go. Uh, I, I really enjoy Three Floyds. Uh, their stuff is great. Um, and I had a bunch of that when I was in Chicago last year. It's tough to find out east, but I've had more of that than some of the other ones up the top. And then uh, just as a, uh, uh, because I have some access to them and, and they're great. Now, I'm going to go Boulevard, the, the sneaky run out of 12. I, I think Boulevard is uh, excellent. Yeah, this is going to be, I, I think this one in particular was like maybe the toughest top to bottom uh, region. Doesn't mean it was the deepest or best necessarily, but I think, well, like, well, I guess it does mean it was the deepest. I think it was the deepest from 1 to 16. Um, I, I think that the East was really tough, probably 1 to 10 um, in particular. I think this one was 1 to 16 was a really difficult group, so I, I, I think picking up sets here, I, I wouldn't blame you. Um, looking at the South, the South always generates conversation, if nothing else. Um I know quite a few followers of the blog or myself or both um, are very passionate followers of uh, <laughs> of the Virginia beer scene, uh, beer scene in the Carolinas, um, Texas beer scene. So usually get opinions. I'm always wrong. Uh, and that's fine. That's kind of comes with territory right about college sports and or beer. Um, I think Jester King is a clear one seed here. And, and I do see them getting through Uh but I, I, I do want to stand for Parrish a little bit down in Louisiana um, and, and it'd be nice to see them pull off an upset or two. Um, Cigar City, I think, is doing really well, at least in the first round, due to name recognition. I think Westbrook's going to – Westbrook could be really an upset um, in the making as an 11 seed, and I could see them getting through um, on some name recognition out of that bottom half of the bracket. Yeah, I think it's hard to beat Jester King. Um, Creature Comfort, that'd probably put through as well. Uh, as you know, they're pretty easy to find if you're in Georgia now, but they're 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 excellent. Um, as a as a proud longtime South Carolinian, uh, I will obviously uh, stump for Westbrook, which I have had. I've had most of the beers I've had uh, over the last couple weeks have been Westbrook, although I haven't been drinking a ton because I've been trying to stay indoors as much as possible um, and haven't been doing like hardcore beer shopping there are more important things um but then uh like you said Cedar city um definitely has like enough name recognition uh plus like uh, availability where i think most people can get their hands on something from them pretty easily in the last couple of years uh, and then jay wakefield i think is really underrated um it seems like they're just starting to really uh, resonate outside of uh, south beach but uh i've had a lot of their stuff now and then really good and edmund's oath in the 16 is, is a solid brewery as well yeah, I know uh, Edmonds Oast unfortunately got knocked out in the play-in. 
um, by uh, was uh, Live Oak actually. So we ended up with a battle of two Texas breweries in the first round. But yeah, I, I think South Carolina brew scene is a, is a bit underrated. I think Westbrook is a is definitely one that could go pretty far. Um, and then out west, my territory. Um, at least as of saying this, it looks like Highland Park has a decent lead. Uh, if they lost in the first round, it'd break my heart. Uh, Highland Park, I think, is one of the best breweries in the country. Um, they nail West Coast IPAs. They do East Coast IPAs really well. Um, their uh, their Pilsner, I mean, their uh, Timbo Pils, uh, Pilsner last year was kind of an Italian-style Pilsner brewed like a West Coast IPA, um, if that makes any sense. Um, incredible Pilsner. Love that beer. It was my favorite beer of uh, 2019. Um, I think there, there's winners up and down the list, as I joked about on Twitter. Uh, I kind of, I didn't do it on purpose, but I, I was hoping it would happen. Uh, there's enough California breweries on here that a California brewery could just, could all advance and we'd end up with uh, with eight of them going through uh, to the second round. I don't think that's going to happen based on the voting, but uh, be nice. I'd uh, I'd be a fan of it. Obviously, I seeded these and had the most experience with them of probably most of the people interacting with this post. Um, so I'm going to put Highland Park through as the one seed. Um, and then I I actually think Firestone Walker could get through as the seven. Um, I mean, I think enough people know Russian River uh, that, that they'll get through, but I, I could definitely see Firestone Walker advancing. Yeah, I think it's, it's a question with that one of like, do people just trust that Russian River is as good as people say? Because I think it's for a lot of people, it's like something they've, they've heard of a lot but haven't had. Um, hopefully, most people have had a chance at this point. Um, and then Wireson Walker, you can get much more easily. And obviously, the beers are very good. Um, I think New Belgium will probably have a similar, like, just availability bump. Um, yeah, I think I haven't had a number of these, unfortunately. Um, I haven't had Highland Park, honestly. Uh, so I think, for me, I would probably go Russian River, Ru- yeah, Russian River in modern times. But um, obviously, I have a lot less experience than you. I've had probably half of the half of the breweries, maybe maybe two thirds of the, on this list. So definitely, uh, hopefully, we'll just try more once we uh, have more openly available beer tasting and getting stuff out to places. But that's a bet on it. I'm sticking with my my South Carolina beers as a long proud resident of the state of South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, check Dan's uh, driver's license. It says South Carolina. Uh, <laughs> all over it. Um, that's actually a good segue. Uh, Go game, Dan, <laughs> Dan, what have you been drinking lately? Uh, again, mostly South Carolina beers. Um, a lot of Westbrook uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, some Columbia Craft, uh, some, uh, I think I had some Edmund O's. Uh, unfortunately, I was really bad about documenting on untapped. Um, but yeah, I've kind of trailed off of beers for other stuff the last couple of days, but it's also just like, not drinking a ton, uh, given, you know, general uh, immune system concerns uh, in the world right now, trying to kind of lay low and weather the storm here. Makes sense. Yeah, I uh, I'd stocked up a couple of weeks ago, so pretty much just drinking the same stuff I was talking about last week. Um, have some Luponic Distortion still from Barstow Walker. Um, it's their, uh, their 15th iteration of the beer. Uh, really enjoyable as always, 5.9% um, IPA, so... Just re- re- really pleasant, light drink. Um, and then, yeah, I've just been drinking Bud Light Seltzer. Mangoes, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> what a, we're in a weird – that should have been the first sign was your, like, hard stumping for – not hard, but uh, any stumping for Bud Light Seltzer should have been the first sign a couple weeks ago that we were in for a, a bizarre month. 
I literally went and bought a 12 pack like two weeks ago. <laughs> I've, I've had, I've had a lot of uh, white club last couple of weeks. I won't lie either. Um, and I had some public seltzers. I had some of the strawberry maybe that were okay. I don't remember. Um, maybe it was raspberry. I don't know the flavors. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, that would have been like the, the birds like flying away in flocks for like an earthquake or something. It was like, like huh. oh, John bought a seltzer. Everyone sell your stocks. <laughs> Christ. Uh, all right, so we still have like sports tangential things to talk about. Um, Dan, we added another game to the 2020-2021 uh, basketball schedule, uh, assuming it happens. Um, the SU men's team will be facing Mercer at the Dome. Um, according to reports from John Rothstein, that's the third opponent for 2020 to 2021, joining Georgetown at the Dome and then um, LSU at Madison Square Garden. So LSU is a weird team uh, for SU to face. Uh, it's not like a, a long history thing or anything like that. Um, obviously, Georgetown, we've faced pretty frequently since we left the Big East, you know, save a year in there. Um, and then Mercer is the first time opponent for us. Um, got me thinking about like, who are the most interesting teams, like college basketball wise, that, that you would want to put on SU's non conference schedule? Um, they could be interesting for stupid reasons. They could be interesting for like entertainment value reasons. They could be interesting because they're competitive. Um, so I, I guess like there's a handful of teams that, that you would want to see on there. Um, and I, I, if you feel like uh, location um, of the game plays a factor, feel free to, to, to place this game wherever you want. Um, yeah, it's hard to, like, it's, I feel like it's way easier to, like, make up a football schedule or, like, identify what you want in a football schedule. For basketball, it's very easy just to gravitate towards, like, the old Big East teams, and I, I appreciate that. Um, I think it'd be nice to get Villanova back in the mix. Uh, it was fun playing them those first couple of years outside of the Big East. Uh, obviously, they've, uh, they've kind of fallen off in favor of UConn and Georgetown more in recent years. Um, I think, uh, I mean, the long, the long fabled, uh, why don't we sign a, a long-term deal with Kansas for football and basketball? I still want that at some point. I thought playing Kansas, uh, I think my freshman year we played Kansas and beat them in Kansas City, and that was a blast. Um, would always appreciate more games like that. Um, Ditto with like, I mean, we haven't played Kentucky, I don't think, since I've been rooting for Syracuse, which is like kind of crazy. Um, that would be fun, especially like giving Calipari fits uh, if we were good would be fun. Um and then, let me think, like, it, it's, it's hard to know because I feel like most fans are only going to get jazzed for, like, a huge opponent like that or old rivals. So maybe you could, like, throw in, you know, your, your Providence or your Seton Hall. I don't know that that does a lot for me, but they're better than they used to be. And obviously, like, some people kind of fawn over that kind of stuff. But that also kind of turns me away from it, where, like, I don't want people just pretending, like, you know, us leaving the biggest is this horrible thing for the program. So, um, I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. Uh, it's just like it would just be nice to get involved with more legit college basketball powers but at the same time you know with how the program has been I'd like to kind of get off on a solid footing so um the LSU game is interesting they've been they've been pretty good the last couple years um I think they'll be a step up from the opponents we had this year although those didn't really you know them not being super exciting didn't really help us at all um and beyond that like Penn State ended up being pretty good yeah, Penn State ended up being probably the best. Oklahoma State bombing out the way they beat us was kind of like the biggest shock of that whole thing. Um, but then, they, I mean, they turned around a little bit. Um, and then I, I, I always just appreciate, like, when we were really rolling and making the tournament every year, 
it seemed like we had uh, a really well-constructed non-conference schedule where even like, you know, the Mercer games were teams that would end up in the NCAA tournament or would have like support with it and would help us. So uh, the more we can do that kind of stuff, then I know um, who was it that was doing our basketball schedules for a long time we left. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, shit. Oh, Kit Wellman? That's what, yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't want to throw a name out there. Yeah, if we can get back to like that kind of kind of strategic, um, obviously the, it was the RPI before now in that rating, but finding ways to like build those schedules around teams where well, there was an easy game, but not um, too scary, which is harder to guarantee now. Um, but also like just have our numbers look really good at the end. It seemed like we kind of had that data with science um, the last couple of years before he left. Um, Mercer, I mean, Mercer has a little bit of a, a history uh, they beat Duke in the tournament a couple years ago, which is the last. So uh, at least we're not Duke. Yeah, I mean, we obviously have our own uh, "quote unquote" Mercers in the, uh, you know, in our own past. Uh, nod, <laughs> nodding solemnly to to, to Richmond and uh, and over to uh, Vermont, um, and, and then never mentioning their names on this show again. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think. Constructing the ideal schedule for basketball is always tough because you never know, like, how good – like, this was, like, the first real, like, down year for the ACC in quite some time. Uh, by and large, you're looking at a schedule, like, now a 20-game schedule that is either um, good, very good, or impossibly good. Um, and, and that can create some challenges, even if you're a, a quality team and making a tournament. Um, for me, selfishly, I'd love to see home and homes with, uh, you know, USC and or uh, UCLA. Um, I think those would be fun for obvious reasons. You feel that would be fun. I, I mean, it's like more of a name program that is good. Although I think, you know, they were better than expected this year. Um, and like, obviously Mick got like the best of us occasionally, but generally we handled Cincinnati pretty, pretty well overall. Yeah. And like, realistically, like, I don't think he was ever like a phenomenal recruiter in Cincinnati. Like he did some good things. He had some really great scores, things like that. But I don't think he, it's like, UCLA's really struggled to lock down top LA talent of late. And I don't necessarily know if he's going to be able to fix that. Um, and I think a lot of, from the UCLA fans I know and the UCLA fans I hear from, it seems like that's going to be like a major, that's always the major concern. And it's a concern. I think that's going to continue, but it won't matter, I guess, if he's going to, you know, make them incredibly relevant. Um, once more, I think, I'd love to see uh, – I mean, USC, I, I think, is easier to beat more often than not. Um, but I, there's no real appeal to playing at the Galen Center um, downtown. Um, you, get, you get a scenic view of the uh, Interstate 110, and, and, and that's really it. I, I think UCLA, at least, you know, you get to be right on campus. Um, I mean, Pauly gets this incredibly, like, I think overblown reputation uh, because of what it was, not what it is now. Um, I, I, I would love, I would love to have us play a home and home against them. If only for the like article that would get me like tarred and feathered, um, talking about how quaint, uh, Pauly Pavilion is in comparison to the dome. And I'm sure I would not be the only person to like write such an article. So, uh, that would be something I would support. Um, I'd love to find some, like as much as I like facing um, some of the usual suspects in state, uh, Hofstra would be one I wouldn't mind adding, because um, we don't really face the Long Island schools much. I feel like Hofstra's yeah, uh, one that like always respectable. 
Yeah, no, honestly, you know, against like obviously I like a very uh, variety of opponents, but I always appreciated like that we we kind of threw some bones to like the the other New York State schools. Like I don't want that to be our whole schedule, but I I like that we have like a rotating cast of those types of uh, programs. Get Niagara in here. Get Red Paulus in for a tryout. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm fine with like a couple of them. I I think I just wouldn't mind like yeah. mixing it up a little bit, like with, no, with, yeah, with some newer New York schools. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I don't want to play the same schedule every year. Obviously, we're going to have Cornell. I think we play Colgate every year still. Like, those, that's fine if you want to keep those. But I, I appreciate having, like, the two or three, and you just if we rotate them through, I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah, we uh, we haven't faced Hofstra since 2006. Um, we've beat them every time. Uh, we face them. Uh, Fordham would be another one. I'm sure you'd like that. Um, Fordham or Columbia, you know, if they want to play down there. I yeah, like it would, it would, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be wouldn't be the worst idea, like to maybe not even go to one of those arenas, but maybe just like maybe you create some sort of like you know Big Apple Cup like stupid nonsense tournament <laughs> that like is just teams from New York State, and then we find a way, and like we just get ourselves an excuse to like play a couple games in the Garden. We should play at LIU Brooklyn as a tribute <laughs> to uh, Bayham's Army because that is truly the home port of Bayham's Army. I know. I know they host in Syracuse now, but LAU Brooklyn's where that team really, really found its footing. I I fully support that. Um, I we could play we could play against Paul <laughs> if people want an old Big East opponent. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> that's not that's not on my shirt list. It, it would more be a gift for Sean. That would be... That's fair. Okay, yeah. If Sean goes, Sean has to blog him though. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> Sean, if you're listening, um, <laughs> those are the rules. Um, yeah, SU's won seven straight in that series since uh, since a loss in 2006. Um, there's also another series that I'd love to rekindle, uh, just for our, our own dominance perspective. Um, we've won seven straight against Providence. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind tossing that one back on for uh, – but like, let's do it like at the Garden in Boston. Are you saying you don't like, want to go to the dunk where the like the creepy inflatable uh, fryer mascot is in the uh, no, tunnel? That 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 horrifying it, fryer mascot. I, I covered I, I covered a couple games there. Having to walk past that thing, like that thing should be not legal. Like it is so so terrifying. And I'm not just talking the actual mascot. It's an, a giant inflatable version. I don't know if they still do it. They did it as of like 2013. And it would sit in like the tunnel where like the meet to like the media uh, room and Lord. Yeah, I, uh, I I hope it's not there anymore. I would have to consult with others though to uh, to confirm or deny. But yeah, Providence. If we want to add Big East teams to schedule, let's, uh, we could toss Providence on there. We, we could talk to Seton Hall booster James Zuba to see if he uh, <laughs> he, he, he could get us to face the Pirates. Yeah, I mean, who have we not played for the Big East aside? I brought up those two, Providence Seton Hall. We've obviously played St. John's. I mean, no one cares about playing like USF or Cincinnati. Um, we haven't like, faced Marquette. Like, who? Oh, Marquette. Like, Did we? we? We haven't faced them since right. we left. Yeah, I mean, like the OG. I think people only really care about like, the OG Big East schools. Who were yeah, Marquette would be like with. the one addition that people would probably care somewhat about. Yeah, because they felt more like a, a, a OG Big East school type of there in Milwaukee. 
I would be okay with that. It's just like that doesn't get me super excited. That's fair. Um, I'd honestly rather face like Wisconsin. I, I've had fun with those Wisconsin games, even though like we've lost. I think we were pretty 50 50 on them. But um, yeah, any of like the big Big Ten schools I think are generally fun. Indiana, I've always had fun when we played them. Um, Indiana's I mean, one that I, I've had in the football list. And I think we could definitely do the uh, the home and home for football and then home and home for basketball. I, I don't know. Yeah, it would be perfect. But, yeah, it, it would be perfect. You know, some teams still do those kinds of series despite the ACC Big Ten challenge existing. Yeah, but if we got an agreement early enough, like we could, it wouldn't right. be that hard to just be like, "Hey, we're already doing this. Just put it to someone else." Yeah, so don't do it again. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd be. I think that one. There's enough history there, like especially in the tournament between the two schools, that like I think both I really, fan bases could, could get excited about it. Yeah, obviously, you know the the DM rematch that we don't ever want to talk about. Um. Yeah, I'm really proud of us. Neither of us bringing up Washington. I, I mean, I don't think any any serious, sensible Syracuse fan. Although based on how they have they bottomed out this year, um, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, although a lot of that, like, it seems like the I didn't watch very much Washington this year, admittedly. And like, based on what I saw from like underlying like numbers, it sounds like they they were like just got killed by close teams. Kind of not super unlike Syracuse this year. We're like they're 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 probably better than the record, but the record was, was ugly. And it, luckily, it doesn't seem like Hoff's in any trouble there. So um, it seems like people kind of understood the situation. But uh, yeah, not a great second year. Although it sounds like um, a lot of it was just like losing some star players last year, some things not gelling, and then like some just just tough luck. I think they actually had the worst luck rating in Ken Palm like midway through the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I always root for Hoff's success. I. I, I, I do not want to face him or that program. And I think I think Mike and, and Jim have both said as much. Like, they're not going to be facing one another. Oh, there's no winner. Because either what, whatever happens is a giant uh, uh, referendum, and it doesn't, like, no one needs that. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think anyone needs that. I don't think anyone wants that. Um, it'd be good to avoid Washington. Um, I think that's really, those would be, like, the main schools. Play. Like want to face, I guess. Yeah, it's not, like, like there's not a lot of schools like the SEC that interest me a lot. Obviously, we, there was that stretch where we played Florida like every year, and like those games were fun. But I don't know that like there's anyone outside of Kentucky that's really going to be a huge draw from that conference. Big Twelve, aside from Kansas, like I don't know that anyone else is really really doing much for anyone unless you want to just you know pretend like it's 2003 and we're running for the conference again. So then we touched on most of the ones that would draw like a, you know some legitimate interest for one reason or another. I think Ohio State might be on that list too. Like Ohio State and Michigan, like I know again, ACC Big Ten Challenge probably like has brought up both of their numbers of late, but I think that there's schools that like there, there's at least some passing interest from fans to want to face them. And I think that there's enough TV interest to make it happen if we, if we wanted to get a home and home with either. Yeah. Michigan State too, I think. Um, those dams yeah. have gone in our favor uh, a lot. So I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind Michigan State either. Although I don't know, I feel like Tom Izzo's just shoot threes uh, strategy like might actually work <laughs> now. I was listening to. Uh, I was really hoping for more about that game uh, in Titus and Tate talking to Tash Swinson today because it came up, but it came up very briefly, and I was okay. like, no, we could we could discuss that one a little bit more. Um, yeah, I would have enjoyed another couple, uh, you know, minutes, hours on that. <laughs> Dan, a- anything else here? I uh, I know we've kind of been a little scattershot and we've kind of jumped around all over here. 
But is, I, I is there anything else? Affected if they thought that we were going to be anything but. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, we, when there's no actual sports. It's uh, it, it, it. Actually, I feel like we we do a pretty good job of when there's actual sport of when there's not actual sports of staying on topic. Oh yeah, well, we're in our lane. It's just like you have to understand. Like we're going to be probably a little more forced at our shot for a while here because we can't even try to stick on topic if we wanted to. Um, but no, I, I think uh, you know we're all just kind of navigating this world uh, day at a time. Uh, I am going to enjoy some 80 plus degree weather this week, which is not something I'm accustomed to in March. But uh, you know, hopefully the NFL draft lots will be more active for us than it has been in recent years. So we'll get into that soon enough in whatever form it takes. Yeah, I mean, once we get into April, uh, we can definitely talk some NFL draft. We'll be talking about that on the site. Uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of random brackets um, over the next few weeks. I know people probably won't care about the bracket concept as a as an article theme anymore for like at this point, like by the end of this week. But we're going to keep doing them until like April, just because um, people like ranking things, people like voting on things. So it's easy content. It's uh, it's content it's engaging so we're gonna be doing more of that and we'll be talking about it on this podcast um but dan hope you stay safe down there hope you uh can eventually get back to new york hope everybody else out there is uh staying safe staying in their homes but also supporting local businesses where you can yes try to do a balance stay inside be smart do what you can you know respect respect your community that's what this is all about like just have respect for your greater community even if it doesn't directly impact yourself agreed agreed uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons, an absolute podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Megaphone, on Spotify, and Stitcher, um, Overcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please do subscribe and rate it. It, it, it does help us out. Um, obviously, we're not the only Syracuse podcast out there, but we hope that we're your go-to one. Um, so do be sure to, uh, to subscribe. Th- th- those downloads do matter. Thank you so much, everyone, for uh, your continued uh, stewardship. Agreed, agreed. And uh, go orange. (laughs) Go orange.